Joey, what is this? What is this about peacocks? I saw some peacocks this weekend. Yeah, it was fucking on. great. So we, <laughs> I'm bearing the lead. <clears throat> we go down and say because my wife really likes Victorian things. Like she just loves everything that is like British Victorian stuff. Well, and she's yeah, gonna we, love Phoenix, right? <laughs> so they have this thing in Wilmington, California. Banning High, which is a great football high school. I don't know if you're familiar with the Banning High pilots, but um, also my mother went to that high school. But anyways, they have this thing every year. It's like a like a Christmas sort of pageant thing where there's like ironworking and horse trolley rides. And we go back ironworking. That's a Christmas yeah. thing. Yeah, it's like old fashioned. So everybody's dressed like Victorian stuff. So they're like, oh, I guess you. But there's someone doing a demonstration of of like welding iron, or like like yep. blacksmiths, and it's like, oh, there's a shoemaker, and it's like this kind of old little mansion house, and they do a tour of it, and it's whatever. So, anyways, in the neighborhood, right outside of the house, there just happens to be like twenty wild peacocks that are just chilling out, and so I'm, I, I I go park the car, and you know. The, the, the family goes in and, and I'm walking like the block into the place and I see this peacock just walk right in front of me. I'm like, what the fuck? Like I'm on a suburban street. <clears throat> and uh, and I look over and the front yard of this house has like 15 peacocks. And there's like this random guy just kind of throwing seed on his lawn. Peacock for it. And I, and I, exactly. And I said, um, hello, weird man who's throwing seed on his front yard. Are these your peacocks? And he's like, no, they're wild. But they laid some eggs in my backyard 15 years ago. So now I just put seed on my front yard and they like to hang out. I'm like, wow, that that really changes the whole dynamic of living in your your home. Like, you know what I mean? Like you look at your front lawn and there's just 15 big ass birds. So his life is like that guy that tweeted about feral hogs, except it's actual peacocks. Yeah, totally. So, um, Augie really wanted to go up to him and, and pet them. No. But um, the guy explained that they're kind of like ducks, where it's like you go, they're going to walk away. So, I took some video of it. It wasn't that big of a deal. But um, the whole point of it is, it was all in my pursuit of getting my Christmas cheer on, because I love Christmas. And I've and begun a, watching and iron terrible working. things. And ironwork. Anything that connects me to some holiday cheer. Because it's it's December, and we're gonna remember that Christmas is the best. It's a good. I I, I do like the idea of. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that tweet. There was a guy that tweeted out that every town has just some random ass character in it, like a guy that rides a horse through the middle of downtown. Like, oh, that's old horseback Jeff. Like every city has a guy that's famous for that, and you got to meet Peacock Fred. So I'm glad for you. I I also like his his. Uh, dishonesty of are these your peacocks no except they hatched in my backyard and i feed them well then they're yours <laughs> that's how that they're literally your pets that's those are the rules man yeah i know he yeah he, he really makes it sound like they all they kind of migrated over and they just yeah from the front yard to the back <laughs> right right well you know peacock freddy can't be trusted <laughs> oh, oh peacock freddy's a big old bag of lies seattle seahawks in week 14 it's our show radio, everybody. It's your boy at 3K underscore here with Robo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL Summit. Uh, what is up is my bitch ass neighbors didn't set off fireworks tonight because why? We whooped that ass. The 12th mean. We're also here with Joey. 
at Ellie Rams Rams Rams. What's up, man? Good evening, my jerks. Good evening, Good indeed. Evening. Twenty-eight to twelve. The Rams uh, defense put on a masterclass, um, absolute ass whooping uh, in a game they needed to win, but they won in a much more demonstrable fashion than they needed to. Uh, and set a statement. It's a statement we're going to have to, you know, comb through because it means a lot more than just winning the game. And obviously for things moving forward as the Rams try to get into the playoff push, box score, Jared Goff, 22 of 31, 293, two touchdowns, and then the two interceptions coming into the second half. Maybe more important was Todd Gurley, 23 carries for 79 yards and that phenomenal stiff arm leading to a touchdown. Pure football porn for any Rams fans, and I'm sure quite the opposite for Seattle fans. Um, Higby, seven catches on 11 targets, 116 yards. The dude's been going off recently, as has Robert Woods. Seven receptions, 98 yards, his first touchdown of the year. Uh, Cooper Cup uh, wasn't used as much, and his snap count was down. We can get to that, Robbo, in a little bit, but uh, he put in four catches, as did Todd Gurley. On the defensive side, though, they were just uh, absolutely steamrolled from the front to the back. Corey Littleton again. Led the team in tackles. He was great. Ten tackles. Eric Weddle and Taylor Rapp. Travin Howard uh, had five. Uh, but also to go along with the tackles was all the pressure that they put up front. They had 11 quarterback hits on Russell Wilson, five sacks. Samson Abukam had two of them. Dante Fowler and Aaron Donald were credited with one and a half each. Uh, Seattle didn't do much for their part. Russell Wilson was 22 of 36, so he was throwing a lot, but not getting a ton done, just 245 yards. The first game of his 2019 season without a touchdown and had that interception to who? Troy Hill. Chris Carson uh, and CJ Proceis had to fill in with Rashad Penny going down. Chris Carson finished uh, 15 carries for 76 yards, no touchdowns. Leading receiver was DK Metcalf, who had a pretty good game. Six receptions, 78 yards. Um, but overall, they didn't do much. In terms of the team statistics, the, uh, maybe the most telling statistic, five for 14 for Seattle on third down. The Rams did a great job getting off the field. They were seven of 13 themselves. Had 26 first downs to Seattle, 16. They were able to move the chains frequently and not get in a ton of third down situations. Uh, that they had to manage, which has been an issue in the past. 455 total yards to 308 for Seattle. And in the turnover battle, we lost it 2-1 to one because of the interceptions, but the defense made sure that it didn't hurt us. Robbo, you're you're in Seattle. You know this one meant a lot. Uh, what's your takeaway? What's your first feeling coming out of this? My first feeling? Uh, can, I, can I do it? Christmassy. It's can joy. Can I do it in it's, gift form? Or is, that brand, is it brand on the pot as well? <laughs> How do you drop a GIF into a podcast? <laughs> have we re- have we reached that level of tech yet? Uh, I don't know, but I could do something with it. But I just as it's banned, I won't go there. We'll just I won't I won't uh, steal your shtick anymore. Uh, <laughs> for the, for the, those of you who don't know, if you read the prediction piece, I've been uh, dropping gifts uh, in my prediction the last couple of weeks, and in our managing editor, only because I our managing am. editor is, is, didn't like it because that was kind of his thing, and so you know I, I got. I got my gift taken away from me this week and sent to the corner. Uh, how do I feel about the game? Uh, how, how could I not feel great about this game? It was, it was, it was pretty much over as it started. They came out uh, defensively. They they had a nice big stop on third down, forced held the Hawks to a field goal when they could have given up a touchdown. We would have been going, oh, here we go. And at that point on, that was the highlight for the Seahawks. From there on, it was it was Rams, Rams, Rams. And uh, I think the big question was, I think we all felt pretty good with their defense what they did tonight but what was the offense going to look like tonight and uh boy did boy, did the boys answer the bell um there were so many different things that stood out to me offensive line play jared goff being accurate i don't i'm not even gonna put either of those interceptions on him um uh Todd Gurley running pretty hard uh the stiff arm of death um 
Uh, Cup and Woods looking really good. Uh, what happened to Brandon Cooks? I haven't seen him since his concussion back in, in London. Uh, there's lots of stuff to talk about, but just a really strong performance by a team that needed it going into uh, into their final stretch here. Joey, your boy Goff had a phenomenal first half. Things looked a little shaky. Um, the, both the interceptions that Rob alluded to were just uh, kind of fluky where he wasn't on the same page with Robert Woods and then he wasn't on the same page with Brandon Cooks and neither of them you know, came off right. Uh, but in that first half, he was sparkling and he made sure that they built up more than enough yeah. of a lead that they I would mean, ultimately need to win the game. It was really interesting how the balance of the offensive just scheme really changes the whole dynamic of the game. We ran the ball. Yeah. We ran the ball 23 times with Todd Gurley and 35. Uh, if you take away Todd, Jared Goff's two accredited runs, we had 33 runs between Gurley, Malcolm Brown, and then those end arounds with Robert Woods and Josh Reynolds. We ran the ball a lot. And it just changes the whole dynamic of the game because I think earlier on the season when Jared Goff was just throwing the ball 50 times and they're running the ball six times or some ungodly number, it just – it's just not it's just not the way to win an NFL football game. And 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 this was just it just felt functional. And it was just nice it's nice to watch. And you just have to wonder, why weren't they just doing this in the early part of the season? How much of it do you think is the, on the offensive line? Because if if you go back to some of those games that we were losing, especially with uh what was it, the San Francisco game, I think the Tampa Bay game, the Pittsburgh game, we were looking at those games and saying, man, this offensive line, and I get it, it was different. We've gone through a lot of personnel changes. But I also kind of wonder how much is just the steadying hand of Aaron Cromer. When we when we used to talk about it, Joey, part of the reason you were more worried than me was I trusted Aaron Cromer to figure it out. Now, I get it that the personnel has changed, but I do wonder how much of it is Cromer figuring it out with the guys that he's got and getting some stable play. But how much do you think is, you know, in terms of the offense finding some solid footing since that Pittsburgh game, do you think can be ascribed to the offensive line? I think a lot. I mean, when they made that trade or the acquisition of Austin Corbett, we just assumed that he was going to be a guy that was going to maybe be on the practice squad and be at the bottom of the roster and, and, and get in for a couple of snaps, but he wouldn't be an integral role of the offensive line. Right. And it's just, it's interesting to see this guy actually be part of the five on the offensive line. I mean, and playing well. Yeah. I mean, you have this completely different and it's young too. I mean, he's, he's 24. Austin Blythe is still pretty young and you got Bobby Evans, who's a rookie. And then you also have David Edwards, who's also a rookie. Yeah. You got a really young group of dudes who, who are, you know, when some of those plays, when they're doing those, those screens and, and you, and you see the offensive line just kind of go out in that, out in the open and start running, you're like, oh, this is different. You know, this isn't, this isn't, yeah. you know, John Sullivan and Roger Saffold, you know, <laughs> running out there. It's, it's, it's just different. And, they are untested and they're a little green, but um, what we saw last week, David Edwards got a lot of penalties, but this week it was clean. Yeah. They, they really played a clean game. And I did my report card, which uh, was, came out right after the game. And I, 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 gave, I, gave the, uh, I gave the defensive line an A, which I have rarely done this season. Yeah. And it's, it's, hard, it's hard not to. And it, it really makes you think, did Rob Havenstein lose his starting job this week. Mm. What, do you, what do you think, Rob? You, you were going to say something about us in quit, though. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, 
the best thing you can say about Austin Corbett is his name is never mentioned. Not good. Yeah. Not bad. He, he's not getting flagged like David Edwards last week with the penalties. You saw it as like, ah, right, you know, he'll get better, whatever. You don't hear his name called at all, which I will take when you're starting three rookie offensive linemen. It means he's not doing terrible things. He might not be making huge splash plays, but he's not hurting you. Uh, so yeah, the Austin Corbett. I think you nailed that one, Joey. That was that was a trade we all kind of laughed about. Oh, you know, the Browns got rid of him. Who, you know, how good is this guy gonna be? Basically, it was it was Jamel Demby insurance, and he's turned out to be a find for for Aaron Cromer. So maybe maybe he kind of knows what he wants in a player. I don't know. Maybe that coaching thing kind of catching on. He seems like he might be okay at it. Which maybe begs the question: with Bobby Evans catching yeah. on at right tackle, what's your feeling on the Bobby Evans Rob Havenstein relationship? And obviously, th- there's a there's two decisions. There's one how to finish this year, and then there's one for the off season. Let's just take for right. this year alone. What do you what do you think? Does Rob Havenstein deserve to get his job back? Remember last year we had two, we started the season with two injuries. You had uh, well not two injuries. You had Jamon Brown suspended. And Austin Blythe filled in. And then you had Mark Barron hurt and Ramik uh, Wilson was playing. And it was a weird dynamic because when Blythe played well those first two games, people were like, yeah, screw Jamon Brown. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But when Mark Barron gets healthy, he gets his job back. And I never, I, I could never understand the root of that logic, why people were so committed to, uh, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it here, but not committed to that in this other place. It seems like we're getting towards that again, where people really seem to be backing Bobby Evans and, and not really caring about Rob Havenstein's history with the team. Yep. I'm not caring about his history of the last uh, 12 weeks. I think you're in the majority. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I think Rob, uh, he's going to find himself under treatment with Reggie Scott, head trainer Reggie Scott, and unless someone gets hurt and then he'll have the Jalen Ramsey, you know, miraculous. I feel pretty good right now. I, I could play. I think with, with you've got this this young offensive line playing well together. They're obviously uh, have changed their offense a little bit. I think Chris Collinsworth mentioned they're more of an inside zone than an outside zone. Chris team. Collinsworth loves the Rams, doesn't he? Yeah, you just I just don't think you switch. I mean, until until they eliminate themselves, you don't make a change. You just let it roll. Yeah. So I think Rob's going to be rehabbing for a while. And uh, yeah, I think Chris Collinsworth does love talking. He loves talking about Aaron Donald. And he, loves, <laughs> he, loves, he loves Sean McVay. He's got that weird little chuckle grunt that he does. <laughs> he does that thing every time he starts talking about the Rams. It's so funny. And I saw some Seahawks people who were like, man, why is Chris Collinsworth love the Rams? He lo- clearly loves the Rams more than Seattle. It made me uh, made me laugh. It was very funny to see old sliding Chris Collinsworth. Um, well, Seahawks, Seahawks people in general like to point out who does not like them. I mean, as a team who's probably been one of the better teams, not named the Patriots over the last ten years, uh, they still have this 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 stigma of like little brother. Uh, everyone hates us. Rah, rah, rah. You know, we only won one Super Bowl. We're... It's just uh, it's it's Seattle mentality, and it, it works its way through all of their sports. It's not just yeah, it's just it's Mariners. It's everyone. Else. Well, I'm down for everybody to love the Rams. Chris Collinsworth included. And here's a guy that he was loving on, especially early in the game, and that's deserving of it. Corey Littleton, man. Yet again, the thing about Corey Littleton is he keeps doing it against good teams in major ways. It's It was one of those things where at first it was like, yeah, look, Corey Littleton's an athletic guy, but I don't know if he can keep this up. And then it was, you know, he's turning into a – remember, he wasn't a linebacker. He was a special teams guy, and we kind of pushed mm-hmm. him into linebacking. UDFA. He's looking like – like I, is he a Pro Bowl line? He's getting close, right? He's playing really, really good football, man. And a safety out of Washington as a UDFA. Uh, yeah, he's really done a good job of of carving out a niche and then claiming that thing. And then I asked uh, in our Slack channel earlier, so the, you know, the Rams are going to go and sign Dante Fowler, right, and let him walk. They're, they're going to make that mistake. 
Um, Fowler's got the splash sacks, but Littleton's more in, important to that defense. He he just does so many things well. He's great in coverage. You saw him spy Russ. How many people does Russ shake on a weekly basis? And did a great job like of it. Field. I think uh, Corey Littleton is a guy you need to retain. And uh, I think so sort of piece this week about uh, Shaq Thompson getting signed and you know, using it as a framework for a Corey Littleton deal in the offseason. Please don't screw this up, uh, Tony Pastores, and sign um, Dante Fowler Jr. As fun as it's been to watch him uh, you know, live up to his contract hype from this year, yes, the one-year yeah. deal Please, please, please don't jettison Corey. If you if you have the money, sign Corey. You know what's weird is like over the course of the season, I could agree with that. Dante Fowler had a really good game, man, and he I'll give him credit. He has certainly outperformed what I anticipated this year. He was he had some fantastic plays. I mean, that the sack that he had was individual. The stutter step move that he had, um, it was it was fantastic. It completely flummoxed them. Uh, Fetty on the right. Like they were running those six and seven. They had seven offensive linemen. I saw at one point for Seattle. Yeah, they run George Fant, who's an offensive That's tackle. A, yeah, had, I think it was Fant, but yeah, no. Fowler had an incredible game. What do you think about the defense, Joey? Anybody specifically that stood out for you? Well, I, I have to say, I, I thought Dave Fowler Jr. was great, and it, it's, just, it's just it's nice to see him ball out. And you know, I guess it's just everything you guys were saying. Like Corey Littleton's great, and I just love I just love watching Taylor Rapp play. I mean, I think this is a great is, game. Yeah, mm. it's it's just he does it every week. And it's just nice to see a rookie come in, second round pick, and he just he plays like he was a steal in the draft. It's nice. He had that like one it. step on third down where I, I, to, I told my wife as we were watching it, you could see him start creeping up. And I said, watch him because you could tell he was going to get the one-on-one assignment with the running back. And he crashes down and gets the stop. It was perfect technical play from, you know, a kid. When we talk about rookie mistakes – that was the that was the opportunity to make one, and he didn't. It was perfect. It was technical. I'll give you another person that's playing great defense, and you love to see it. Troy Hill. Why does yep. he keep doing this? Why does he keep playing good cornerback defense consistently? Yeah, it's and, amazing. And they were going after him. They, why? They why were they going? Like, why did they oh, keep if, going after the guy? He could have had another. Why he could have had a second. I, I I think they're like, well, we're not going to go after Ramsey, so we're going to go after Hill. Which honestly, I would do the same thing. And that one that one play where he didn't get the interception, but he um, almost did, was fantastic. I mean, they really were going the deep ball on him. He played it magnificently, and it just it just makes me so proud that this guy has really busted his ass to actually be a crucial part of the secondary. Absolutely, because a lot of people really wrote him off. I think all of us were just like, you know what? This guy's a bum. Let's get someone better. And yeah. he was like, you know what? Lick my balls. Yep. I'm going to play awesome. Yep. And he did. <laughs> and here we are. Licking, licking balls. His balls. Love it. Um, yeah. Defense was fantastic. Obviously, you give up six points and limit Russell Wilson. We talked about the O-line. Give me a little Jared Goff talk, uh, Joey. He, it, was, it, was a, it was a tale of two halves. But the interceptions were so fluky and weird. I don't know that that's not like Jared Goff missing a guy. Those were those were two weird plays. But the first half, he was cranking, dude. He was killing it. He was really killing it. He was playing like he was, you know, just a man on a mission. I'd like to think that he talked to his girlfriend and he said, Listen, I got a couple more weeks of the season. We gotta just lay low on the white claws and Hey, look, I I knew we've been hitting the zone for the P. But I've gotta, I've gotta bring it back. We can only, I can only go out like four times this week, okay? Because we gotta get serious. Listen, listen, bro. I know I love the vodka infused watermelons, 
but we're just going to – I mean, Higgs, he just – he gets that huge ga- – the sparklets jug of water, but he fills it up with vodka. And then we put in the watermelon slices, and then we get the watermelon. It's just filled with vodka, and we just get crazy. We just – we got to only do that maybe like once a week. We got to be serious. So we can game, but we can't pregame, okay? Not until January. We got to keep it on the straight and narrow. I don't even know what that means, but that's what we've got to do. And you got to – any episode of Goff Talk this week really has to talk about the connection between Goff and Higby. Because, I mean, him and Higgs are just – they have a little bit of a – How uh, strong is the Higgs uh, riff uh, uh, ripping right now? It's, it's like hot for teacher, man. Anybody see that teacher this year? It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's like a three-minute solo right, right now. now. Just ripping – He's. He's, he's like Steve Vai right now in his prime. I mean, the, the dude <laughs> is just electric. I mean, he's just like Higgs 2.0 right now. It, it's so fun to watch. When they were like within their the, the Seahawks 20, third down, Goff threw it to him, and he just all those yards after the catch. It was like that 33-yard run, and it was just awesome. Like he was so pumped after and yeah, he didn't get he didn't end up in the end zone, but dude, he was I think he was the best part of that offense, man. I mean, 116 yards off of seven catches. He was he was fucking great. He was downfield frequently. The the other the one guy and it wasn't his best game, but it felt necessary, especially after the news that we got from was it Schefter or Rappaport was talking about uh, just Todd before the game. I think it was Rappaport, but whoever it was said essentially the load management yeah. plan is over. The Rams are ready to let Todd Gurley be Todd Gurley, and he looked like Todd Gurley. Yeah, that seems like kind of a little yeah. late. I mean, they've been doing this for like two, three weeks. When it, what, what do you think? What do you, if, if, if this was the week where they said, okay, the load management plan is now over, we have rested him enough where wear and tear, the kind of wear and tear that they think, you know, exacerbated the arthritis last year is no longer possible. We have saved him enough where we can let him go 23 times this week. We can run his ass out there against the Dallas Cowboys. Do you guys think it's, I mean, obviously, Joe, you answered this, but did they wait too long, especially, especially with the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh where he didn't get a single touch? That's kind of the that's kind of the yep. balance to me was that one it, they didn't lose the game because of load management but it certainly prevented them for whatever reason from using him and now they're at a point where they're willing to take all the breaks off do 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 you think do you regret maybe not using him in that game or are you comfortable with not using him so that you can use him fully down the stretch now that's a risky plan. If that's the plan, let's hold them. Let's hold well, them. That, that was the plan, right? I mean, let's that, hold them until December. That's then what happened. Cracking. That's. I mean, that's. Was that the actual plan going in, or is that all right? This is how he's feeling. Now he's finally feeling better. Let's like let's go with it. But I mean, it's. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. If that's the plan going in, you know, we're gonna be so good. We could we could get by without Todd, our offensive MVP. And uh, we'll just we'll manage it until December. Do you, do you think it's that they felt they were so good, or was it that they they weren't willing to play? Remember, we talked about all offseason that that we I, I thought Todd Gurley would be as healthy for Week One as he was last year, mm-hmm. but they 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 couldn't use him as much as they did. They didn't feel comfortable using him as much as they did last year. That's clearly the case because they didn't. Right? Like if they felt comfortable using him, they would have. I'm, I'm not sure that, that they, they felt comfortable until they forced their hand and he started playing well the last couple of weeks. Right. So it's like, well, maybe. Let's give him a little bit more. Oh, yeah. he's still 
he could still get out of the car. Let's give him a little did, bit more. Did, yeah, did he play himself off the load management yeah, plan? Yeah, and now that they're, their backs are against the wall after the Ravens lost, they're like, well, fuck it. You know, if we lose, season's over anyways. Todd could rest as much as he needs. Let's just run this thing until it you know breaks. And if you know we lose and he and he's out, then we have nine months to fix him again. And let's just let's just roll. That's kind of my thought. Is it's like, all right, let's what are we doing? Let's let's just stop getting in our way and let's just go for it. The season's the season's now. If you lose, you're done. What do you think about the girly playing, Joey? I think that it's <clears throat> it's still weird, and I I don't get it. And it's nice to see him play well, but we don't have all the answers, and it's still conjecture yeah. on what the hell is going sure. on. And I still have to look at his body language, which is always mysterious and inconsistent. Surly girly, yeah. But even when he's not, surly, he hasn't been a, he hasn't been surly for weeks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So even after a play, and he's not surly, but he's steady. I'm just I'm trying to look into his eyes and. I don't know what the hell's going on with him. I I don't know how he's feeling. If he's like, "Hey man, feeling good," or he's like, "My knees are killing me," and he's just <laughs> is filled with painkillers. I don't know. So it, it's 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 almost like I I kind of it's like my least favorite subject because it's like trying to talk about like where it happens after we die. Well, you know what? You're just going to get a bunch of bullshit answers that really won't lead you to the truth. <laughs> Todd Gurley's knee is the leftovers. Right. Right. Just vanished in the middle of the night. Um, one guy that we can feel comfortable talking about because he is otherworldly and more than healthy. He is the Dr. Manhattan of football, Aaron Donald. He's great. Yeah. He, he's pretty good. 11 sacks in the he's year, guys. I love you. And a guy who's being double, triple, and quadrupled teams at times. And still winning. Up to 11 sets. And still impacting the game, still having a huge uh, saying what happens. Uh, is, he, is he DPOY material this year? Will he receive votes? If you ask the nerds, if you, ask the nerds you could definitely make an argument for sure. But More teams? Is it, is it like Gilmore? Yeah, you'll get one somebody like that. Uh, yeah. uh, Michael, Michael Fitzpatrick, or another guy who's like playing really well. Yeah. You, you'll get somebody else because he doesn't have the basic level numbers. To ju- the same way that offensive linemen never get offensive player at the week because they don't have any statistics to just satisfy the masses. You, he, Donald's probably not going to have those kind of numbers to support a DPOY campaign. But if you look at like... I was just going to say one way his, his numbers are connected to Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler Jr., sure. which is really hard. So saw it a couple times yeah. tonight. Yeah, and it, it's hard to prove that. Those guys between them have almost 20 sacks. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's not going to get it, but I think he has definitely had a great season. He's a great player. And, you know, we don't have to worry about him. He's good. Two little questions uh, before we get to playoff picture, outlook, and stuff, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, question number one, how are you guys feeling about Greg Zerline? There's a, there's a little bit of uh, discomfort now. He missed another field goal. Um, great, it was blocked, but the point being, uh, he's hasn't had a great year and he's scheduled to be a free agent. Now the grass is always greener and we know things can get really uncomfortable when you tinker with stuff, but he's currently on pace for, uh, the third worst field goal percentage of his career for a season. Um, he's only four of nine from the forties. Um, what do you, what do you guys think? Are you, are you starting to question Greg Zerline a little bit, or do you think this is just a one-off wobble and he can get back to being the kind of Greg Zerline that we've known? Starting? Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. I've been kind of questioning him since I was in a hotel room in, in Munich, Germany, watching him miss a 40-yard field goal to uh, yeah. the Seahawks back in week five. Um, yeah, I'm concerned about Greg Zerlein. But I was concerned in when was his really bad? So the second year, no, maybe, he fourth, was terrible. 2015. Yeah, that was, was a bad year. It was. Oh, it was this is remind me. It's not quite yeah. that bad, but it's 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 getting up there for me. Um, with their cap situation, I would not be surprised to see them go find a rookie mm. kicker. What do you think, Joey? Are you still on the GZ train? Yeah, I, I I just don't think that we're gonna cut him and get a new kicker. So. We can complain about it, but I don't think we're going to do anything about it. Do you, th- do you think they'll bring another guy into camp like they did with, remember, Taylor Bertolet came in a couple of years ago at a Texas A&M? And I think that might have been, was that 2016 or was that a couple of years later? But they, they brought in, you know, a guy to kind of push Zerline and make sure that he understood, look, you're you're on the kicker yeah. hot seat, which can get real hot sure. real fast in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, okay, sure. Well, whatever you got to do. You know, I mean, I think, I, I don't know if it's going to be Sam Frickin. Or whatever the hell his name is. He would never be out of work for more than five minutes oh, anyway sure. if they went another direction. Oh, the Cowboys would die off. to have Greg Zerline right now. How would, how would you feel about Jeezy in the playoffs having to kick a 60-yarder in the Superdome to send you to the next week? Any any would kicker, dude. Confident? Any kicker doing a 60-yard kick in the in the playoffs. Well, I, I mean, mean, he sent you the Super Bowl last year. Right. but And you're like, wow, he's got the leg for this. And right now, I'm not sure that he does. I don't know. I I would not feel good about Jeezy. Kicker sentiment changes so quickly, it. doesn't it? I just don't. Every time you, yeah, it's just it's like a golf swing. It's like oh god, it's it's just wrong right now. Any last question? Any thought on the return, guys? We lost JoJo Natson for the year, and we had Simba Webster, Lion King back there on punts, and Daryl Henderson on kicks. Anything, or was it just kind of a meh? I like Daryl Henderson. Meh. I mean, he had those those two runs, right? I mean, he had he had thirty five right. yards returning the ball. I mean, that's kind of rare do you like the idea that these guys are because they haven't played much this year they're they're desperate this is going to be their only chance maybe to really have an impact this year we know daryl henderson is going to be around as a running back and maybe get more opportunities down the road but for simba this might be it man he's playing for his nfl life maybe so do you do you guys like that kind Mm -hmm. of desperation versus somebody that's you know got the job locked in i do i do nice uh, a returner, I like a guy who's not going to fumble or do something stupid. I don't care what he does. Just don't turn the ball over. You're like a good, boring librarian of a returner. Yeah, I don't need Tavon having his punt returns called back 100 times and, and bait mad about it. I just want a guy who's going to catch it and not do something stupid with it. When your defense – it's hard enough to win in the league as it is. When your defense wins and forces a punt, make sure you catch the ball. Don't do something stupid with it. Don't cost your team for being back there when you have one job. So – I don't care who does it. I don't care if it's JoJo. Or if it's I was going to say, so there you go. Simba, one for one for Robbo that don't do anything stupid. He yeah. definitely crossed that bar. Do something stupid. Um, we need the Vikings to do something stupid. We mean we need them to lose. So here's your let me put the old the old standings of the NFL because uh, they're starting to take shape in both conferences. It's getting really interesting. Uh, on the NFC side, you've got uh, the 49ers now go back into first place because uh, the Seattle Seahawks just lost to go to ten and three. 49ers are at eleven and two. Packers are ten and three. They've got a tiebreaker over New Orleans as of right now. 
They're both 10 and three. The Saints are your first team to clinch the playoffs. Dallas, who is six and seven, is currently in the fourth spot because they're winning the NFC East. Uh, Seattle's in fifth at 10 and three. Minnesota's at nine and four. We're one game behind at eight and five. And I suppose the Chicago Bears remain in the playoff picture at seven and six. That's your NFC playoff picture. That's what it is. We're one game behind the Vikings. Uh, They were able to beat Detroit uh, pretty easily this week, unfortunately. They're coming to L.A. to play the Chargers. Uh, in week 15 then they go home for the Packers and the Bears to finish out what do you guys think about uh, this setup are you comfortable with it the idea that the Rams I think we're up to 22 percent in ESPN's playoff projections um, as things stand to make the playoffs what do you think do you think we can do it do can we win out do the Vikings lose how do you feel about the playoff picture go Chargers. Are we all Chargers? We're all Chargers fans this weekend. It's going to be a little funky. Charger town. So so, so let's talk about math here. So, oh, gross. Just, just real quick, Joe. Just give me a little tiny bit of math here, so this can make sense. So there's three games left for the Vikings, right? So you get the Chargers, Packers, Bears, and since we're one game behind, if if we win all our games and they lose one game, it's still a tie. Okay, but let's not even talk a tie. Let's say they lose two out of the three games, and we win, and we win all three. Like so it. they lose against the Chargers and Green Bay, and then they win the Bears. Okay, so then we win yeah. against the yeah. Cowboys, the Niners, and the Cardinals. Okay, I know. So at, at that point, we'll- yeah, I like that. I like the laugh <laughs> that goes in with the Niners. Yeah, that game was epic. That was one of the best games of the season this year. If you just take away the, the yeah, yeah. So they were fantastic. With that being said. If 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 we lose if 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 they only lose one game and we win all of our games, then then it becomes this complicated tiebreaker bullshit. And how do you think we we stack up in that tiebreaker bullshit? Or is it just too early to know? Pretty good because our conference uh, record looks pretty strong. I think that's going to be the biggest difference. Right now we're six and three in the conference. So if they lose another game, then we're going to be tied. But if we keep winning out with against because we've got three NFC teams and they are playing the Chargers. Uh, this week, we're going to stack up some NFC wins, and then we'd have the conference record on the tiebreaker. Well, another thing is, well, if they lose to the Chargers and then and beat Green Bay and the Bears, and we went out, we have the same record. We have the same conference losses, uh, strength of victory, Ooh, because we beat the Seahawks tonight math. with a 447 strength of victory, and this Vikings are at 330. We're looking good. So at that point, that comes into play as well. It gets deep. It gets deep. There's also the uh, common game, common opponents, one loss record. Um, I don't know who else we played common opponents, but we beat the Seahawks and they didn't. And that's in front of strength of victory. That's a that, that would break the toughers. Yeah. So we're looking good. We're looking good for it. I mean, the bottom the bottom line is you're talking about winning out, right? Okay. Do, do, I think if the Rams, lo- yeah, I was gonna say there's almost no chance. I mean, I look, it could happen. They could lose two games. The Vikings could. But you you really are going to do yourself a favor if you win out. Uh, the, yes, that 49ers game is going to be tough. But they're going to have to start to handle business first uh, up here with the Dallas Cowboys, who are absolutely reeling. That's going to be a fantastic game. I will be there. I got my tickets. I'm going to meet up with the good folks from Blogging the Boys, our SB Nation uh, Dallas Cowboys Ooh. team. It's going to be fun. It's going to be it's a huge game for Dallas because they're ready to do it. They're ready to fire Jason Garrett. They're ready to cut ties. They don't want anything out of this season other than that. So they're kind of playing towards that idea. Here's the question is, can he rally the troops? Do they do they want to play for him one last time and try to save his job or are they done with it? I don't know. What do you guys think? Are they are they are they trash or part time trash? 
I, I don't want to disparage anyone else's crash. I'm, I'm just concerned about what's in my house. That seems, that seems like a <laughs> shot at Joey's Christmas lights. No, no. I, I can't take a shot at the Cowboys when I'm just worried about my own team. Uh, you know, they're, they're acting like a circus right now, sure. And it's fun to watch the you know Jerry after every loss and him you know melting down. He melted on the radio this week Lord. after 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 the loss. He cursed uh, so much he got fine. kicked off the air. I just feel as soon as I start doing that, I'm you know they're gonna we're gonna stub our toe, and it's like, well, I should not talk so much shit about the Cowboys. So I'm just kind of like, here's a weird happen. one for you: the Cowboys are first in offensive yards gained in the NFL. Yeah, they are tenth in yards allowed. How is this team six and seven, man? The, the the roster's not bad. The team's not bad. They got an offensive line. They got a quarterback. They got a running back. They got a bunch of components on is defense. Is it a pitch count, just like Gurley. Uh, Are they saving him for the Rams game? They finally unleash him. Oh, he had a pretty good game the other yeah. night, right? Uh, and they lost to the to the Mitch Trubisky shredded them. May we pray? May we pray it happens yet again? I th- I think a team like the Cowboys is a team you don't want to play because it's like playing against a bad poker player. Because if it's a good poker player, you could kind of, if you're really good at it, you can kind of think, okay, I know what they're doing and they have this. But if you're playing against someone who just wants to play and is just always, you know, put, putting an end, whether they have, you know, a straight or they have just a pair of twos, and they don't know what the hell is going on. They just are happy to be there. It's, it's hard to know what's going on because they're not playing by the rules. And I feel like the Cowboys are kind of like that right now. <laughs> Third and 16, all in. I think I told told the story after my neighbors after every Seahawks victory blow off fireworks right fireworks and they they blow them up after every Seahawks victory and I have to listen to that shit and sometimes they do it after every touchdown it just depends how much they've been drinking. Uh, but tonight it was awfully quiet out there and so being the dick that I am I walked out on my front porch and and you know yelled out no fireworks tonight for you and uh, it was kind of nice it was silent no no retort no fireworks no nothing. Uh, it was fun. I had my Rams flags hanging out on the house all night today. Took them back in and put them away. But I enjoy living here. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed this rivalry. Um, before this game, I I did some digging stats. Eleven of the last fifteen games played between these two were decided by one score. Rams had one eight. Seahawks had one seven. Obviously tonight it was a little bit more than one score, but they just play a close game dating back from when they were Super Bowl contenders and we were garbage. Uh, it's just. It's just this. It's just what happens in these two play. They always play pretty entertaining games. Every once in a while, you get one where you stick it to them. That was for us tonight. We'll take it. We'll take it. You know what it was for you, Rabo? A silent night. <laughs> Holy night. night. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>